everybody. This is The Simpson Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt. We are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robbie. This episode really gives him to think about male friendships and how dumb they can be. I was going to say that this episode certainly exists. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we're getting better in season 21, but, you know. Mm, yeah, I guess... It, Mm, it's not saying much, that really, but it's true. I, I, I think it is better than last week, so I guess it does pass my test of, like, is it better than last week? Yeah, I guess so. Hi, yeah. hello, friends. We are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpson Show. For only $2 a month, gain access to all of our bonus podcasts. For $5 a month, gain access to that much, much more, including all the old episodes that have fallen off the main feed, all they go up on the archive there every single week. Uh, go check that out. Support the show. We'd really appreciate it. This week's episode is Chief of Hearts. Episode MABF09. Originally aired April 18th, 2010. Written by Carolyn Omine and William Wright. Directed by Chris Clements. Received a 3.3 rating with 5.8 million viewers. The chalkboard gag. This counts as gym and art class. That's, that's pretty good. That's a that's, uh, that's good. That's, that's good. a good chalkboard gag. Yeah, um, the couch gag is a repeat from the wedding for disaster couch gag, which is comic book guy eating a four course meal with every family member being represented. Like the soup is Lisa. There's a steak that's shaped like Bart's head. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. It's kind of grotesque t- to me uh, to see comic book oh, guy. That was funny. Oh, you're a twisted individual, Matthew. We are, Indeed. We've established that now. We've, yeah, we've established that. Yeah. yeah. This episode guest stars Jane Kaczmarek as Judge Constance Harm. Uh, Maurice LaMarche as question mark? I don't know who he guessed. I, yeah, who would he have been? I, okay, maybe he is the the um, criminal, the, 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 the jive-talking criminal in... Oh, the, that's right. Yeah, tele- that the, is whew. on the fake '70s television show. I think that's the only thing I think it could be. It's the only character I think that isn't a recurring character yeah. on the show, unless they have. I don't think that he's like doing any of the mob guys. So that's my guess. Joe Montani also appears as Fat Tony. Boy, uh, this is like I say that that this is an episode. Uh, it it's not terrible, but it did test my patience at times uh, at times yes it is is very difficult like the entire marge bart subplot i'm just like mm. there's a lot I there's lots fine well the, what's i want to also lay this out there full intro right we get the full intro mm-hmm. chalkboard gag couch gag long a little bit longer couch gag which t- you know, tells me me like oh they're short on time they wanted to fill that they needed fill they needed to fill the time and there's multiple things in this where you're like what is this doing why why are we watching this why is this on like especially this first act um this is definitely that first act where you're like oh the endless inciting incidents that's this is we're we're back to this because the episode starts with Marge and the kids going to a rando's random kid's birthday party. Dylan is this child's name. Do we even mm-hmm. ever find out who Dylan is? We have no clue. Nope. We it's never even see Dylan. Interested in battle bots. Balls. It's, it's, don't. Legally distinct, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's legally distinct. Um, they're going to some kid, Dylan. They don't know who Dylan is. No one, none of them know who Dylan is. They don't have. Okay, all of this is just 
Mar- they don't even have a present for Dylan. And that's the well, no, Marge does have a present. It's just a truck, so she's not sure whether it will actually work or not. Okay, um, but Bart, both Bart and Lisa are going to this party. Who's who's Dylan friends with? Uh, well, Marge says in the beginning that uh, oh, it's that kid that's something something. But I, I, just I mean, like all of this is just riffing on the fact that I guess I don't know. I this is all of this, Matt. Especially in the like, I would say this entire episode even. But especially the B plot, especially the Marge and Bart stuff, that is the lowest level of sit- sitcom humor possible. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it's it's all oh we don't know whether it's a boy or a girl. Doesn't occur to anyone. It doesn't really matter. Like, oh look, this party has princesses and boys in superhero costumes fighting. Yeah, and like, oh, I, it, it's so old man. I it, that's it, it's just it is replacement level sitcom writing where mm-hmm. you and I could write this because we have seen a sitcom before. You could even call it the Big Bang Theory qualitative uh, theory, the Big Bang Theory theory, where it, like yeah, I've seen a sitcom before, so I can write a joke for it because it's the simplest jokes. Um, they go, there's a lots of jokes here about. Is it a Dylan is a boy or a girl? We don't know. Um, Bart, this is all, and this goes on for a couple of minutes and it's very tiresome, but Bart eventually starts playing a card slash ball toy game. It's where like, it it makes Digimon look like Pokemon. Hey, Right, they're right oh, on look, top of it. Here's a game that old people don't understand. Let's make fun of it. They're right on top of this cultural thing, but um, it does feel like that too. It does feel old man yelling at cloud at times for this thing, um, where it's it like it, there's cards, but there's also like little transforming balls that turn like into little robots that fight each other. None of this makes any sense. It doesn't. It what it doesn't work in any context. Like if you want to parody, you know, trading card games, the Pokemon game for instance, which is still very popular to this day. It was popular when I was a kid and it's still popular to this day. You can easily do that. It's really easy because those games are money sinks and you get kids addicted to them and then they go spend you know, $4 a pack at a, at a, you could just be like, you could easily wrap a plot in about Bart going to the, to comic book guy and buying these Pokemon cards and building up this ecosystem of him trying to get the best cards. And he doesn't even know why, because he doesn't even actually play the game. He just ends up trading the cards around. It writes itself, but this doesn't do any of that. <laughs> it just wrap it, it. Like you said, grandpa jokes, or right? it's just like, Oh, I don't understand this game. Um, that gets us to the B plot. Bart is getting obsessed with this game called called Battle Balls, by the way, which boy. Uh Homer has a caramel apple. Goes... Oh no, Robbie, Robbie. I just want to point out this right here is the stupidest thing I have seen in a Simpsons episode in a while. Since and last week, you mean? We've seen some <sighs> I mean I think it might be stupider than any last week's episode. Mm, you need to go rewatch last week if you want to. I'm I, not going to do that. I know. I'm just saying that this is this is dumb. Don't get me wrong, okay? But it is some. There is some stiff competition if you're going for dumbest things we've seen in Simpsons episodes mm-hmm. recently. This does not. It's dumb. Don't get me wrong. Homer goes to the bank with a car- his caramel apple that he got from. Where did he, did he get it? Where did he get that? Caramel apple? Did they even? 
Does it I don't matter? Think they say he doesn't matter at all. He just has one. He goes into the bank. Everyone thinks he has a gun, and so he gets tased. And then and he can't talk because he has caramel in his his mouth. Because yeah, that's how caramel works. It's so sticky you can't talk. And don't even don't think about this, Matt. Okay, they do not like. Okay, there is all of this. All of this is to get Homer to Wiggum, right? Is for them to establish uh-huh. a deeper relationship, establish a friendship. That is mechanically, and that's what I. A lot of time you'll hear me talk about this stuff in these in as we watch these episodes. Like mechanically, what is what are we logistically? How are we, what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to get this character over here. We need to move them around. They don't. They're not in the same orbit in the status quo of The Simpsons, the show. So how do we move them into the same orbit so that it is believable that they can strike up a friendship? Oh, well, we get Homer arrested. And so he goes and meets and runs into Wiggum. That's how we do it. Okay. You can literally do anything to get him arrested. It could be anything. It is literally limited by your imagination. And what they come up with, they think he's robbed a bank with caramel apple in his mouth. They And they realize he hasn't, but he still has to do community service. And... This isn't real, guys. Like, this is, you're just, you're immediately suspending my disbelief when I go, oh, it could be parking tickets. If Homer doesn't pay his parking tickets and does community service, I mean, like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah, and Wickham says that he, he arrested Homer recently at Moe's. Okay, we yeah, just have him do that. Yeah, it's like the, all this. You're like, why is all this happening? Is this isn't funny? This bank scene with the caramel apple, whatever. He gets punished, gets sentenced to community service. Um, we get the the community service scene, effectively. Um, I, I do want to reference that this takes, all this takes an exceedingly long time. Um, we Who's there? Krusty's there. Kent Brockman is there. But Homer shows Wiggum his lunch, which is a, a various um, parms. Various Parmesan-covered sandwiches, meatball parm, eggplant parm, chicken parm subs, which I'm hungry right now, and it sounds really good. Um, so Homer shares food with Wiggum, and this is this is the first scene that has any amount of substance in it, Matt, where we see Wiggum be vulnerable. Right, and it shows... People acting like real people, like oh look, these two are just having a moment. They're 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 bonding, you know. It's like where Wiggum goes, oh I, you know, he tries to talk to his wife and about a book club and like there's it feels human, and I I will, I, I think I say that a lot in in the podcast where like it feels like humans doing things. Not it doesn't feel like cartoon characters. It doesn't feel like I'm watching Wiley e. Coyote. I am watching a human show their humanity. And th- this is where you're like, oh, this might be something. They might get something here. Um, so Homer is going to share some of his sandwiches with Wiggum. And while everyone else does community service, Homer and Wiggum have a little bonding moment. Do you ever wear your police pants to regular things? Throw a jean jacket on top of these babies and you can go anywhere. From fast food to fine dining? And everything in between. Ah. 
Ever stop breathing when you're asleep? Oh, yeah, all the time. They say it's because I'm overweight. Overweight? You? Oh, no, that's crazy. Now, me, I have to get my underwear specially made by this village in the Ukraine. They call me Daddy Round Round. Send me a Christmas card every year. That's some big underwear. My underpants paid for their water filtration system. All right, that's it for today. Uh, Simpson, hold on a sec. Um, you want to, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know. Get a beer sometime? Uh, okay, you ever been to Moe's? Uh, Earth to Homer, I arrested you there last month. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry I was such a jerk about it. Ah, oh, now, who could blame you? Your, your, your sports team lost. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll see you at Moe's. I'm there every day, 5 to 11. <laughs> uh, calling all units, Chief Wiggum just made a friend. Uh, he's not my friend. He's just a non-violent perp I'm going to pound a few beers with. Is, is he looking at me right now? No, 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 don't be so obvious. Let's all look without looking, okay? Mm. Oh, my God, he likes me. Officer up. Oh, officer way, way up. <laughs> uh, is that a little, little bit over the top? But, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, yeah, it's... The humor, like, <clears throat> I don't need every joke to land, okay? If you have a solid story in there and you're trying with the jokes. Um, the daddy yum yum, the, what is it, the, the big underwear? Daddy round round. Round round, okay. That, the, the big underpants made by some internet. I don't even know what, I don't even know who that's supposed to be, Matt. Like, is that some, some international group I, I hesitate to even use the word try because I, I have no idea what it's it is like i would say it's racist but it's not targeting anyone specifically it's just some foreign people um that doesn't land but okay wiggum is oh i have a new friend where are we gonna be friends will you be my friend it's again human behavior, right? You can recognize it. You're like, oh wow, it's two adult men being awkward, trying to like st drum up a friendship. Um, two dads trying to drum up a friendship. All right, all right, all right. Let's see where this goes. Right? Uh, we go to commercial. Seven minutes and twenty six seconds. And when we come back, Homer and Wiggum are having breakfast together because they're friends now. Not only did they go get a drink, but they're gonna have breakfast together. And it's cool because ex-cons are all working in the kitchen where a bunch of cops eat. That's that's good. Yeah, because we see uh, all the ex-cons spitting and putting all kinds of horrible bodily fluids into the cops' food because obviously. I I, mean, I like I like this is not if this was funny, I would I don't I didn't laugh at this, but also like this is like I I've known many people who've worked at restaurants, no one spits at your food. Like that doesn't. Yeah, it's no, not a thing. It does not happen. If you're gonna like, if someone's gonna mess with you, they're gonna just you're gonna be waiting for your food. If anything, like that's would be the actual punishment. Not oh, I spit in it. Okay, not that no one is spitting food ever, but it's so significantly insignificant. Like what's the? Mm -hmm. I'm not really worried about it. But also, hey, look, it's one of those those sitcom tropes. Or exactly. Like that's the tropes thing. In general, there you go, Matt. That's I think what I'm getting at. It's just it's just like. Think you can't think of a more creative way. Like if you have a if you have the like a more creative joke, and I think that's the thing I keep coming back to in this episode is like you have this situation where it's not a bad setup where oh they go to the diner where all the ex cons go like for 
to you know their first job out of prison where they can re- be, re- be rehabilitated. Okay, that's an interesting setup. It gives you a perfect chance for a good gag. But the gag is, oh, they rub the food on their armpits. And you're like, that's we we can't think of anything better. You can't think of anything that's like subverts our expectations of a of an ex con. Maybe it's when we go we cut to them, they're being more precise with the food. Maybe like yeah, like they like they're foodies and they're great about it. Th- that's the thing. Like this is the it's expected. It's the normal. It's not funny. Yeah, it's like don't go with what the first joke that pops into your head is. That's bad because that's what you've seen a million <laughs> times. I'm, Try and get something new. That's my I'm my worry, Matt, is that maybe they did, and the first version of the joke was even worse. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> All right, fine. Whatever, whatever. All right, so moving on, uh, we go back to Springfield Elementary, uh, where Bart finds out that Ralph Wiggum has a really good Battle Balls card that Bart wants. Uh, so he goes over and uh, offers to you know play Ralph for it. For some reason, Martin sees this and reports it to Principal Skinner. Okay. Martin doesn't understand games, I guess. They don't know that nerds are the ones playing these games in the first place, and then it spreads out to other kids. Whatever. Uh, Skinner, who is dressed as a giant syringe, thinks a drug deal is going down. Uh, and then there's a whole bit about Otto thinking that he's being suspected of drugs, which definitely could have done without. Not funny. Pointless. Uh, but this uh, kicks off our B-plot and how it's going to be weird. I mean, Thankfully, after that, we get... Matt, this is, again replacement level sitcom humor all of this all of this is oh no yeah, marge marge and the uh, the adults think bart is selling drugs every every joke in this and we don't have to labor this i'm just saying that this is like maybe 5 minutes of the episode right every single joke in this in these 5 minutes the joke is here's a miscommunication here's a bart saying something that could be about drugs he's talking about his game his card game and it sounds like it could be about drugs. And that's every joke is that. There's no no diversions, no subversions. It's all that. And you're like, I just, this is the most trying thing to me. It's just like, why is this here? Why? What are we mm-hmm. doing? What are we doing, guys? Okay. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we go back to Homer and Wiggum. And we see that Homer is riding along with Wiggum. He's just hanging out. Uh, they're getting to know each other. Uh, Homer sees his record and accidentally puts himself on a billboard. Ha ha. Uh, but then we get a really genuinely touching moment between Homer and Wiggum. Listen, Homer, uh, would you like to see my uh, my favorite place in the whole world? Really? Me? Homer, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Cops don't have many friends. Civilians are scared of us, and uh, other cops just remind us of things we want to forget. That's why our friendship is so special to me. Chief, me too. Um, you know I've been back here for like ten hours. Any chance of a bathroom break? Thanks a lot, Jailbird. Now I've got you on burglary and killing a moment. So yeah, uh, aside from the snake part, uh, that was really cool. Like, I really genuinely appreciated Wiggum opening up to Homer, and we get a genuine moment between the two where they're like, oh, yeah, we, we can be friends. We can talk about serious stuff. And I really appreciate Wiggum's thing. Like, oh, you know, regular people don't want to be friends with cops because they're scared of cops. <clears throat> I'm not going to go into why that might be, just saying. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't want to be friends with other cops because they remind him of all the stuff they're trying to forget. Like, that is a real moment. That is, that is hard hitting right there. 
Uh, of course, the joke has to override it, but you know what? That's fine. However, after this, we go back to the B-plot, uh, where we get a meeting between Marge and Skinner and Chalmers, uh, where they basically tell her, oh, Bart is dealing drugs. And Marge is like, are you sure about that? He's like 10 and poor. And like, no, no, we're sure he's dealing drugs. Whatever, guys. Because um, so many drug deals happen on elementary schools between, you know, 10-year-olds. I, uh, but it, it's all of it, Matt. It is like... The you have to, everyone in the every person in this plot, and the, the problem is it's the all the adults too. If it was kids, you go like, oh, they're kids, but all the adults have to be the dumbest people alive. All of them. Oh well, yeah, none of every single one, every single adult. And if, oh, if it's certain members of Springfield, you're like, okay, they're allowed to be stupid all the time. Homer, sure, you know, yeah. But Marge and Skinner and like every all these steps along the way, like they have to be the stupidest people alive. I don't believe it anymore, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like how much free time does a ten year old have to do some drug deals? Like I understand I, that this is supposed to be a boomer's conception of childhood, where you just let your kids out after school and they didn't come home until dark or whatever. But that that that's also not how kids work anymore. Uh, <laughs> kids aren't allowed to do that. Kids are are watched every hour of every day until they're sixteen or eighteen or whatever. Bart's so, dealing, Matt. Yeah, Bart's dealing drugs. Okay, he's they're talking about things with another kid, so they're dealing drugs. Again, it's just, obviously it's, kids. Kids should never be allowed to communicate with each other. Only bad things come up. See, back. see, Matt. This is where here I'm going to fix this right now. All right, this if you paired this like oh we think they're dealing drugs. You pair this with Bart helping run like a a like uh, a racket on all these cards right he's actually like he's buying and selling the rarer cards and making money that way then this becomes something right it becomes a little mm-hmm. bit more and bart and marge discovers oh he's not selling drugs he's selling these cards he's trading the cards back and forth and he's re- and bart is bart never plays the game he just makes money by selling all the cards and marge realizes oh wait this isn't illegal Bart is just, you know, he's just being an enterprising child, and she doesn't know what to do with that. That's something you could develop, but that also, would be really interesting. But that's not. They don't. They didn't. They did not like that. Like I watched this episode this morning. Like I, it's been on my mind for maybe an hour, and I've already come up with something. Like how hard is it? Mm, this B plot. I'm. I really like this A plot's The A plot's not perfect. It's not even good, really. But it has potential. This B plot is a loser. It really is because it just doesn't make any sense. All you have to do is just a little bit more, and it would have been, you know, interesting at the very least. But now it's just eye rolls. So after that scene with Marge and Skinner and Chalmers, Marge goes home. Here's Bart and Milhouse talking about battle balls through an open door. She's not looking at it. She just hears them say things that sound druggy. Ooh. Uh, I, I, I don't even forget what it was, but it, it's obviously picked language that could sound like they were talking about drugs, but it's stupid. Then Marge somehow gasps so hard she chokes on one of Maggie's little word wooden blocks or letter blocks. What the hell? I, thankfully thankfully after this we're back to homer and wiggum and we get a nice conversation about them uh, uh of you know they're getting to be deeper and deeper friends and they get called to a, a bank robbery or an armed robbery and things take a turn you ever worry the sun's not gonna come back after it goes down at night no uh me neither but but you know who does ralphie 
Got a lot of worries, that kid. What if the bed wets him? What if Superman decided to kill everybody? <laughs> hey, Ralph's a good kid, and he should be. He's got a great dad. Ah, uh, Homer Simpson, you always know the perfect thing to say. Chief! Chief, it's Lou! Oh. Okay, what is it now? They're shooting at us. We need backup now! You need backup, or you want backup? We got a tour of Hey, what have I told you about not using the numbers? It's an armed robbery, damn it! Oh, I guess we should go. Ooh, ooh, can I cuff him? <laughs> sure, why not? Chief, come on, he's not trained. Oh, who are you, the rules police? Uh, no, we are the police police. Nobody moves or the doughboy gets popped. <laughs> Take your hands off my brother from another mother. Get out of here! Not to worry, Homer. That's what bulletproof vests are for. Oh. Uh-oh. Ah. So, uh, that at the end there was Wiggum looking at his uh, perfectly uh, pristine bulletproof vest hanging in his car that he has never worn. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to say, at this point, I think it's the first time we get those melodramatic uh, string uh, stingers uh, at the end of scenes that I honestly really like that. Like it adds just a little something to this episode, and I was like, "Oh, all right, that's cool, fine. Let's let's stick with this, please." And they do, but that's when we go to commercial. I don't. <laughs> this is where it starts to. Fall. This is this is this moment is where everything falls apart. Oh, absolutely! Right here, uh, we get Wiggum in the. Uh, from here on out, we get Wiggum in the hospital, and nothing makes sense anymore. Like they were doing so well, and they had to screw it up. Well, I'm gonna. It's the pivot point of like, what is you end Act Two on, right? And you don't need to make it Wiggum getting shot. I I think that's like, what is this episode about? I come back to that. What is this episode about? You know, it, is it about the difficulty of? Two middle, you know, mid thirties, later, you know, not quite middle aged men, but you know, adult dads who don't have much time and don't are awkward, don't know how to make good friends, becoming friends, and how do they navigate that? Is it about a? Is it about? Is it about that? Or is it about a civilian being friends with a cop, and how do they navigate that? Which is it? Is it both of those things? Is it neither of those things? Because at this point it becomes unrecognizable as anything but just things happening. There's no more plot. There's no more semblance of humanity. There's neither of these people, Wiggum in particular, Homer actually is nor, a normal human for basically the rest of this episode. I'll, I'll say that Wiggum is unrecognizable as human. He feels like someone whose brain has been removed from his head. And, I don't know why they did this. Like, I don't know why they made it so at the end of Act 2 is he gets shot and he might be dying. Why is it so dramatic? Why such a big thing? If it's about friendship and something testing a friendship, let's say, even if that's the story, oh, they strike up a friendship and something tests the friendship. Why is it Wiggum dying is the thing that tests the friendship? Why can't it just be... You know, here, Matt, here, throwing it right. This is, this is again, off the top of my head, very simple. Homer breaks the law. 
in a way that Wiggum can't overlook. Because normally, Wiggum is one of those guys who's like, oh, yeah, you're breaking the law, but you're with me, so it's okay. But Homer does something that's over the line even for Wiggum. And Wiggum has to go, I'm sorry, Homer, you have to, I have to arrest you. And it, you know, it goes back to the Springfield connection. That's the... Yeah, that's a similar thing where Marge has to do something about Homer and it strains their relationship. And it's this is similar in a certain way, except it's a friendship instead of a marital relationship. But I like you want to challenge their friendship. And then Homer goes, I thought we were friends. I thought it was okay. Why is this okay? And that's not okay. And that is those are human behaviors that's recognizable and then you could have wiggum examine it and say well i don't you know and write jokes around that and but again it's just this biggest the biggest thing and these giant big things and you're like why are they taking such big swings why is it oh wiggum gets shot i don't know we come back from commercial 12 minutes and 38 seconds and matt i'm gonna read verbatim what matt wrote has written in her notes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wiggum has quote uh, Wiggum has comma sigh comma shamrock shake in his lung which I, it's just again this absurd like what's the joke I don't understand this joke man like this is he, he does he's had it his lung and the shamrock shake is not currently being sold it hasn't been sold in a month and you're like well what is it are you telling me that Wiggum walks around with a lung full of milkshake is that yes? Oh, like there's nothing worse. The only thing worse than fat jokes is nonsensical fat jokes. <laughs> like, like, come on, you could do better than that. Like the underwear joke is better than this, and because this doesn't even make sense. You're like, what's the funny part about this? I don't get it. Um, Wiggum's on his deathbed, effectively. Like they're worried he might die. He's stuck in the hospital. Homer stays with him the entire time. He's on his bedside. Um, they make some jokes about it. They're all bad because um, Homer knocks him off the bed at one point. Whatever. Uh, Wiggum eventually wakes up. He After some touch-and-go moments, Wiggum wakes up and sees Homer there to greet him. What, what happened to me? You saved my life, and I came here every day to make sure you pulled through. Thanks, Homer. You're a true friend. Unlike that Lou. You're too late. Chief, I've been sleeping on that couch for a week. You missed the wake-up. That's all that counts. Ugh. Clancy, I haven't seen my family in days. Would you mind if I went home now? Now? But I I just woke up. Well, if you really want me to stay. No, no, you do what you have to do. Live your life, which I saved. Fine, I'll stay a little more. Great, great. And can you read me a story? That you write yourself? It should be about an imaginary meeting between Babe Ruth and Hitler. Uh, But make no mention of baseball or Germany. And begin. Well, obviously that story involves a lot of art talk. uh, But also... (laughs) See, Matt, 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 Matt. Matt. I want to stop you right there. That is a better (laughs) joke than anything in this entire episode. Okay? You're that little off... that You just offhand comment about that, that story would be about art is funnier than anything in this entire episode, and it probably just came in off the top of your head. I mean, it did, but that's not the only thing that involves either of them. We could also start uh, have a story about growing up incredibly poor in terrible circumstances because both Babe Ruth and Hitler did that, but that would be depressing, and I don't think that's the kind of story so, the chief wants. Wigan wakes up. Okay, so Homer's at his de- on his bed, bedside the whole time. Wigan wakes up, and Homer immediately goes, I need to go home. And you're like... 
all all of this is, and Wiggum immediately is like, "Where are you going?" And like, "Where's Wiggum's? Where's Ralph? Where's Sarah?" Like, like again, at this point, no one. This doesn't represent real life anymore. They just they need to inject conflict into this, so they drum up these crazy this crazy behavior. Wiggum and Homer, they. I'll give them the credit. There's been multiple scenes leading up to this where we watch them become friends and it feels real. It feels genuine. Yeah, the, the, the transition there is very obvious. It's like, oh, you can see every step along the way. And now we start skipping and it makes me very upset. It's very jarring. You suddenly they're just Wiggum's like, why aren't you my friend? And you're like, I, what? What's going on? Um, Wiggum's also mad at Lou. Uh, because we, Lou wasn't there the moment we woke up, um, Marge. Finally, we're back to we're back to the B plot, Matt. But also, the this is the end of the B plot. <laughs> it ends very quickly, where Marge has is tearing through Bart's room, uh, looking for drugs. Effectively, cutting open, she finds itching powder. Like this is the jokes we find. Oh, there's a a, a baggie of white powder. It's itching powder. Uh, she cuts up a bunch of stuffed animals and then finds a real life bunny rabbit. Gags about Matryoshka dolls. You're like, what is? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you think, oh, is this getting to like Marge needs to re- rep- to recognize Bart's rights to some sort of privacy? No, not not at all. Uh, she discovers that Bart what the toys are, and we get the end of this plot. Hey, that's pretty nifty. Let me try. Oh my gosh, that's adorable. This one's going on the Christmas tree. It's no fun if my mom likes them. Come on, toilet. If you can handle dad, you can handle this. That's it. That's the end, yeah. Because this this plot is so incredibly minimal. There's, what, two minutes, maybe three minutes of this plot? It just seems like you could have taken that and used that time to have... Uh, the acts three and four breathe a little more. You could just show Homer no longer being a good friend or Homer being a normal friend, not particularly a great friend, but like he had this strain with the demands that the chief has after, you know, the chief saved his life. I mean, how often have we had a hacky sitcom plot about, oh, I, so-and-so saved your life, so now you have to do everything for them. It seems like that's where they were going with this, but they skipped all the hacky parts because they realized they were bad and we just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even trying to puzzle it out. It is, is very, that's the thing to me. It feels again, this just feels like it hasn't been revised. feels like they wrote this out and like, this is a first or second draft. And then they just was like, Oh, we ran out of time. This is it. This is what the version, this is all we got. This is what we have for amount of time we have. Um, Bart doesn't like that. Marge thinks the stuff is cool. So flushes them down the toilet. And this is the end of the B plot. Um, Wiggum finds Homer getting a beer at Moe's. And apparently Homer had told Wiggum that he was doing something else. And this is where we, they, they have a, a break, I guess, um, where Wiggum calls everyone a bad friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, oh, what have we here? Huh, world's worst friend. Hey, man, you planted that. It's your word against the chief of police. Take him away, boys. Chief, being a bad friend isn't against the law. Well, if it was, he'd be getting the chair. You, you, you all would. Bad friend, bad friend, bad friend. <laughs> so, my problem. Well, no, no, no. This is 
this is stupid, obviously, but I feel like what someone's idea for this was is that Wiggum is having a really tough time after getting shot, and he's lashing out by taking out taking out his frustrations and his anger and his hurt and trauma on his friends. Okay, that's fine. But they didn't do the legwork to show us the case. We get two scenes of Wiggum acting irrationally. That's all we get. That's it. I'm sick. You have to do better than that. If you want us to understand where you're going with this, you can't cut out all those in-betweens. You have to show Wiggum Frayne and having a tough time and you know Homer being a decent friend throughout all of this and then Wiggum being upset over nothing. And then you have to show the reconciliation in the end. Like that's That's where I feel like this plot was intended to go, but it doesn't. It's just not good. I mean, that's the thing, Matt. Like it has the first the first half of it is good, right? It has the it has the it has development. It has multiple scenes where we see progression in their friendship and them confiding in each other. And then the other latter half is just nonsense. There's nothing here. And like what you said, like, oh yeah, if you get shot and you're almost dying, yeah, like, yeah, it would challenge you. You probably would have some you deal with trauma and maybe PTSD or whatever. Um and Homer could be certainly is not well equipped to handle any of that. Um, he's not really Homer's not necessarily known for his people skills, but it, it this is written like it's just like oh Wiggum's being an overbearing friend, so Homer like you know is flaky around him. He's like Homer doesn't. He's like oh he's being too you know clingy or whatever. So Homer lies so that he can go hang out with other people. That's a di- that's an entirely different thing altogether, and they don't know what they're doing. I mean, like you say that, oh yeah, this is where the way they should develop it. You're like, yeah, they should, but they don't. They don't even get close. Um, so Wiggum calls everyone a bad friend. Storms off shooting his gun randomly, uh, and this is also like, if you want us to respect this situation, you can't have Wiggum acting like a, a complete maniac. He has to be, again, recognizable as human. Instead, he's just like, if Wiggum is a side character that is there just for gags about the inept police force, you can have him shooting his gun off in the air and being nonsense and just saying nonsense, right? If he is a main central character in a plot, he can't be that. You have to have other characters be the wack, do the wacky stuff because he's carrying emotional tension and when you have him act like a maniac in this plot that's supposed to be kind of heartfelt and real, it merely disperses all of that kind of emotional carriage it's doing. Like, it, it has to carry that stuff. And as soon as Wiggum starts going, rah, 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 shooting off into the air, you're like, oh, what is this? It, it's just Yosemite Sam, effectively. You're like, oh, I can't take this seriously. Um, Wiggum disappears for a couple of days, and both... Eddie and Lou are nervous. They're and they're concerned. They're like, where's where's the I, and I'm, if the police chief just vanishes for a few days, yeah, it'd be a big deal. Um, you'd think they would do make make this a bigger deal. <laughs> Anything? If, yeah, if the police chief of your town disappeared for like days on end and where's sarah in this where's ralph in this like we don't see any yeah, sarah shows up at one point i just we we skipped over in the beginning uh when wiggum is is first introduced in this episode where he's talking to sarah and she's like oh yeah you seem to go to this book club a lot oh oh i can't come i read that book but there's not enough chairs okay like oh man you are going in a really rough direction to start this episode and it's completely forgotten like what in the world? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, is what like Sarah and Wiggum have never had a bad relationship. 
ever in the history. Like the show's all like the show. The Simpsons has always portrayed them as kind of being simple people that are in love. I think like like fundamentally, like they fit together. They've never had problems, but apparently they don't. Apparently, Sarah doesn't like William at all. Um, lying to I him mean, about going to a book club. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, I'm just always going to that book club. You're like, okay, I don't like that. Um, so Homer goes to f- try and find Wiggum. He's gone missing. So Homer finds him bringing a peace offering, which is fried chicken. Hey, Chief. I uh, brought a 32-piece chicken bucket. Ha, just like you to forget that I might want some. Come on, come on, stitch those alligators. We gotta get those knockoff Lacoste shirts to the mall in time for the crazy days of summer sale. Praise! Huh. Oh, careful, boys. Looks like his weapon's loaded with 12 original herbs and spices. <laughs> <laughs> You're jive. Do you hear me? You're all jive. This is referencing a, a 70s television show that they used earlier in... Yeah, but I thought Homer watched that, not Wiggum. D- I, Matt, don't. I don't know. I don't know. Like, this is, again, this is escalating all of this to, like, why is the mob here? Like, what's the interesting choice to face this, to challenge this friendship? And I don't understand why the, the why is um, the the mafia, imp- it, it, it has, what, does, what do they have to do with any of this? I don't know. Um, but they get kidnapped. Um, we go to our final commercial at 18 minutes and 15 seconds. And when we come back, uh, we're here for the denouement, which is basically uh, Homer and William are now trapped uh, in the mobster's trunk. Uh, why they haven't killed them already? I guess they didn't want to get their trunk dirty. But hey, uh, we see a honestly great moment between Homer and William that I just had to capture. I'm sorry, Homer. If I hadn't have been so needy, we wouldn't be in this trunk. Well, I was kind of ungrateful. You did save my life. Well, at least we got to be friends again, you know, before we got whacked. We're not gonna get whacked. Because you're Chief Clancy Wiggum and you're gonna figure a way out of this. You have that much faith in me? No, faith is what you have in things that don't exist. Your awesomeness is real. And that's it. At this point, Wiggum (laughs) uses his tongue to rearrange the CDs in the trunk-mounted CD changer of this car which causes the mobsters to get out to change it, at which point Wiggum jumps out with a tire, or jumps out, you know, seals Lou's gun, and arrests them. Uh, there's also a sad bit about Wiggum, uh, Homer gets out with a tire iron, and Wiggum goes, oh, that was a tire iron on my back. That makes things more clear. <sighs> okay. Okay, Matt. Matt, okay. Okay, Matt. Okay, he's, he sprays, um, why can't I remember? flat. Fix a flat, yeah, into mm-hmm. the what's why well, can't I remember the character's name? Um, um, it's not Fat Tony, it's the other mobster. Lou, it's not Lou, is it? It can't be Lou's a cop. What are you doing? Not Lou, sorry. Uh, legs, 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 Lou, the other L one, the other L. Okay, um, but I don't, I'll, I'll say, like, this is the thing, Matt, where I like the sentiment of this scene. Where it's, oh, yeah. uh, where it is again, it has returned to Homer and Wiggum just being honest with each other and getting past this awkwardness of their friendship and these the, and the conflict they've had and just you know being human. This is there is the but the problem is like it's in a trunk of a mobster's car and 
it's just this like this crazy elevated like conflict where you're like they're gonna get shot by mobsters and like and I I just can't with this tongue thing, Matt. Like they did they did this earlier <laughs> with with uh, Wiggum using his tongue to like stir coffee, like to put mm-hmm. he put sugar in his coffee with just using his mouth and his tongue. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. Him using this to change the CD in the the CDs and the CD changer. You're like, what is this? I don't like. Is this what this is what this is how Homer is gonna like think? Oh, Wiggum's gonna. He's going to get us out of this. He's going to use his tongue to change his CD. Yeah. And, and this is where it's just like, I like the sentiment delivered in this scene, but they have gone so far crazy into cartoon land. Uh, I'm just like, well, I, I don't really believe any of this because it's, I, the, they saved the day by, and again, why does it have to be saving the, okay, maybe. And uh, I don't know. At, at a certain point, I think I've lost my mind, Matt. I think I've lost my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's real anymore. Like, am I being real? Am I being reasonable? I think I am. I like, You're absolutely being reasonable. I like my the thing idea is like, at, at this, of it, but go ahead. I, I was just going to say that I, I think the uh, biggest problem I'm having here is I was willing to forgo the whole, oh, he uses his tongue. Uh, just because, honestly, they had uh, a really good uh, talk before that. And just everything else makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, again, it's I can I can and I can forgive some of it, Matt. But like again, it's just and the t- again we're getting back to these tired like tire iron in the back jokes. Like that's what that was. Yeah. Like yeah. do we have to have gay panic like things going like gay panic jokes? Do we need that? It's funny though because honestly, I took it the other way as a Wiggum being like, oh oh, I was hoping it was not a tire iron kind of thing. I'm like, okay, like, mm. does that qualify as gay panic? I me I mean I will give them that it's it's not overtly you know that but I just don't give them much <laughs> I don't give them much leeway which is entirely fair let's I, be real. that's when I like <laughs> when they make that joke I'm just like if I read it as Wiggum being a little uneasy about it and being relieved that it was a tire iron maybe that's just me because that's me just like not giving them that benefit of the doubt because they've had so much homophobia in the past 10 years that I'm just like I don't want it why are you doing that um but maybe it's fine you know maybe someone with fresh fresh eyes would think differently but I it's it's not that and it's not even the fact that it's just that it's a gay panic joke. It's just like that's the best we could do. Like you couldn't even yeah, do there's... a joke about like, oh, it was nice to have a it was a, that was a nice cuddle we had or something like about how the the comfort of it even. Like there that's and that's not even that I don't even think that's good of a joke. That's just off the top of my head, but it is something it's subverting again our expectations of a male friendship. That and that's the point where you're like, oh, it like, you know, you can my pitch for that gag, my first pitch, Wiggum going, oh, you're a better cuddler than Sarah is. You know, sometimes she doesn't like it because I'm too hot during, like that's, you know, like that it would be the, they're they're stuck together in a confined space. Yeah. Don't make a joke about how, oh, oh, I thought it was a tie iron. <laughs> okay. Please finish this episode off, Matt. All right. Uh, well, thankfully, there's just one more scene um, where Homer and Wiggum basically make nice, and we have Lou uh, kick them off. Uh, attention all units. Chief Wiggum and Homer have moved into a new phase in their friendship. 
The flame will burn less brightly, perhaps, but this time may last much longer. Well said, Lou. Um, oh, Homer, you want to take out the police copter and hassle people with the spotlight? I know just a guy. And then we get them harassing Flanders. Uh, forgot about the end of that. Uh, they basically shine a light and tell him to get naked and drink hot cocoa with mustache hair. Or sorry, cold cocoa with mustache hairs in it. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it, it, I okay. I'm going to try and be positive, Matt. I like the fact that this doesn't end with a hard reset to the status quo in this instance. Yes, I'm like, there's no reason Homer and Wiggum can't stay friends, and this is I, I don't mind that this is is there. Um, I just don't like how they got there. I feel like they didn't earn it, um, all the way, and because they're I never they're I never bought the conflict that that separated them. It, it was all forced, you know? And I think that's the main problem. Like the two big problems with this episode out here, three big problems with this episode, B plots bad. Um, the, and the, 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 the big chunk in the middle of this to the latter half of it with the A plot just is all forced. It doesn't feel like they develop anything and see, it's just not that funny. Um, no, there's a, I had a, a couple moments, a couple chuckles, I would say. No laugh, not big laugh out loud moments, but a couple chuckles. But there's just so much grandpa jokes, right? So much, a lot of sitcom, kind of replacement level sitcom jokes. And I want, I want more. I want better. Um, I don't know. It, this episode isn't terrible. It's not last week, right? There's, no, it's not last week. Thank God. It's not last week. Like in those scenes. Like, no, the episode as a whole isn't great, but there are those specific scenes with Homer and Wiggum where it does, it feels, it, oh, this is good representation of these two dudes trying to become friends. Like, them bonding over, parma, like, you know, chicken parmesan sandwich or something. Hey, that's an easy, like, that's, I like that is how they get into is like, oh, both these guys love food. And, oh, Homer, it's like, and it like, I, that's the other nice thing about that, that first scene is very much like, it feels like two kids at the cafeteria during lunch, like who, who, who don't know each other very well. And one of the kids is hungry and the other kid has some extra food and says like, Hey, you can have some of mine. And like, it's a, it's really sweet. And it kind of calls into the fact that both these guys have that kind of childlike mentality at times. Um, they just don't develop it. They don't. Like it gets into them getting sh like Wiggum getting shot and like all this nonsense and Wiggum acting completely irrational and they don't develop why is that like it's not terrible but it, again it's it it's that frustrating thing where it could be good mm -hmm. it could be good and it's just not doesn't quite get there. We will rank this episode at the end of the show. Robbie, is this episode broken? Izzy says yes. Woof, woof, woof. Izzy says yes. Izzy, Izzy says yes. Izzy says actually that the mailman is here. Um, but I don't know, Matt. This is, this, I'm, I'm teetering. It's tough because this episode actually has a really interesting core in it of the friendship between Homer and Wiggum. But the B-plot and distracts from it and they cut out a whole bunch of time they could have used uh, to expand that when things get rough. Uh, basically, it, it, once Wiggum gets shot, like they should have shown his decline into this trauma and how Ho Homer uh, he lashes out at Homer about it uh, when he shouldn't. That would be far more interesting to me than the shortcuts they take to oh now a bad thing happens that you know they uh, resolve it because of something bad that happens. 
Yeah, those shortcuts. And then, like, I think I lean towards not broken. I think that's, I think ultimately, I think I would say that, Matt, but I'm not necessarily, it doesn't make it good, you know? Like, and I feel like we've already kind of went over how you make this better, make it good. Um, but I wouldn't, I don't, I think I would not, I don't think I would go lean over to broken. I think there's, it's not quite there. Yeah, it just needs to be tweaked. Like I said, get rid of the B plot. Uh, skip the full intro and the giant long couch. I can spend a little, get a couple more scenes of Wiggum obviously having strain from this traumatic thing. He got shot in the chest. Okay, that's a bad thing. Obviously, he need, he's going to have time have a hard time reconciling that and oftentimes when stuff like that happens when people process their trauma they lash out at those around them including the people who have supported them the most we need a couple scenes of that to show the wedge being driven between him and homer and then you know something bad happens and and wickham has to realize oh homer is a good friend and that's where we ended that would be great okay and before we move on i want to ask you a question okay about the episode as a whole okay broadly is there anything strange that stands out to you that sets it apart from every single other Simpsons episode. If you're trying to lead me to something, I don't know. Not really. Okay. This is the first episode of the Simpsons that Lisa does not deliver a single line of dialogue. Really? Yeah. Cause Lisa's not in this at all, but it's the first one. There haven't been any others, I guess. I, this is Wikipedia. All right. Huh? Wow. I, yeah, I she's, not in, even, uh... she's in the first scene. Right, she's in the the birthday party scene. She's in the car and stuff. Yeah, but she doesn't say anything. Huh. Right, so that's what Wikipedia says. I don't know. I obviously I haven't gone through every single episode of The Simpsons up to this point and said, does Lisa have a line? Um, I know that some of the there's some episodes where she has very little to say, depending on who's the main characters of the episodes. But that's what Wikipedia says. Um, I'm I'm curious if it's accurate. It seems right. Right. It seems like it's the right yeah. thing, but I don't, I don't recall her saying anything, yeah. but like I said, I didn't realize it was the first time. Uh, we can move on to our next segment with that. It's time for comments in the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments in the news group is where I ask our patrons over there at patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show to leave a review, leave their review, what their thoughts and feelings are. Uh, if you support us at any level, you can do so yourself. First from Tim. Yeah, this was pretty bad. But halfway through, I opted to simultaneously watch an NWSL game, Orlando at Portland. And that was a better use of my time. No sarcasm intended. I love women's soccer. Let's see. Jerk Homer. Subtle transphobia. No plot development. Lack of logic. This has got it all. Even if there were a few chuckles scattered about. Since the last two episodes, both came in at number 395. Why not make it three in a row? Uh, not canon. If you want a Homer and William story, this would be a... This would be the time to write a decent inciting incident, but focus on these two on those two's trials and tribulations, and please have some respect for your audience. Who, Tim? That's asking respect for your audience. Mm. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Next from Derek. Better by the standards of the season, but a turret sandwich to the face is better than anything from what's being served up in HD era Simpsons. I'm all for the slow. I'm all for the show doing stories on characters who haven't who haven't before had a had spotlight episodes, but it's put through the season twenty one filter, so it ends up mattering very little. Uh, an OTT main plot with a B plot that is completely disposable. How long has it been since we've seen that old structure trotted out in season 21? Oh yeah, last week. Another big hindrance to my any chances of being successful is the dialogue and the execution. Notice everyone's lines just amount to a punchline and no harm to the voice actors, but the delivery is always so overdone now as though they're in a play or speaking to a child audience. 
could really lash it onto these characters back in the day. The lines and their delivery were so nuanced and real. I can't take this relationship with Wiggum and Homer seriously. It's dialed up to 11 from the get-go and just taken too far. There's nothing human about these characters anymore, so how am I supposed to care about any of this? What am I supposed to feel for that matter? I'm not laughing. I can tell you that much. Uh, this is something we've mentioned before, Matt. I'm going to reiterate now that Derek's brought this up. But uh, Hank Azaria is on the record. Um, he didn't specifically mention The Simpsons, but obviously he's talking about The Simpsons, where he talks about a project he's worked on, where he looked at the script and he looked at everyone else in the cast, and they he would say, every single week, he would say, who's carrying the idiot ball this week? Which character is carrying the idiot ball? And... I don't. I think the the voice actors know, right? The the voice actors don't write the show, right? They have to. They. I'm sure they have some little a leeway here and there about changing lines, improving maybe a little bit here and there. But imagine you are one of these voice actors, right? And you've worked on the show for twenty plus years now, and you've had to fight, and and you've watched The Simpsons make hands over fist of money. You've seen you've seen Fox and Matt Groening make lots of money and you've had to fight for pay raises. You are indispensable parts of the show, right? And you've had to fight and fight and they've done this multiple times where the voice actors have had pay disputes and had to fight to get raises where um I think Harry Shearer has said this. this is, I don't think this is Hank Azaria. I think Harry Shearer said this separately where he says you have to, I think he said this in an interview somewhere. He's like, where you have to, there's, you know, and part of being a grown up is having two separate thoughts that kind of clash with each other in your head at the same time, some cognitive dissonance. And he's like, as a voice actor for the Simpsons and, or an actor in general, you have to realize how lucky you are, right? How privileged you are. Like you get to do what you love for a living, right? And at the same time, as a as specifically as a voice actor for The Simpsons, you have to recognize you are vastly underpaid and you've been vastly underpaid for most of the time you've worked on the show, right? Think about all the merchandise. Think about all the licensing deals, about all the rights for the, the for the for reruns. How much money have the networks and Matt Groening made over that time, over thirty plus years? And at a certain point, you're the voice actor, and you've had to constantly fight to get raises. And you're watching the show's quality go downhill. How much patience do you have to fix some writer's first draft? I'm gonna go with none. At a certain day, you're probably like, hey, you clock in, you clock out. I do my voice. I read what's written. I'll do my best to make it as entertaining as I can, which I think they do. And I think what what you're complaining about, Eric, and I certainly agree with you, and I think most of the listeners probably do too, is that they're just trying to pull. They're like trying to pull some sort of entertainment value out of this kind of base level humor. Like, what do you do when there's no jokes? Well, you try and act like it's a joke. You know, you try and add that humor with your delivery. And sometimes it works. But most of the time it doesn't. But I don't, I certainly don't blame any of the voice actors. I think they are trying their best. Um, next from JJ. 
I, dare I say, liked this episode? Question mark. It wasn't golden years good, but how, for how far the show has fallen, this is at least which I wish all HD episodes were like. A simple, decently executed story with likable characters which doesn't leave a bad aftertaste. I found Homer and Wiggins' friendship genuinely endearing, and the B-plot was okay, even if they were 10 years late to the Pokemon craze. While this wasn't a hilarious episode, it did have one joke which made me laugh, which is more than can be said for most episodes this season. What are you, the rules police? No, we're the police police. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that that was that was really no, good. It was pretty. Yeah, I actually yeah. like that one. Yeah. Next from old painty can Joey Jojo Junior Shabadoo Schnurub. Pretty darn good by post Golden Year standards. When you stop and reflect on it, there is a lot of common ground between Homer and Wiggum. Playing on the sweetness of their ten year old boy esque friendship pays real dividends. Hell, there's even a solid emotional undercurrent with Clancy's loneliness and difficulty making friends as chief of police. Third act goes a bit off the rails, and the beast story borrows its ending from an old South Park episode. But overall, the bond between Homer and Wiggum makes this a bright spot for the season. As with Matt Selman, I think Carolyn Omine's episodes tend to be a cut above. Uh, next from Dara. This is honestly one of the better episodes of Family Guy I've ever seen. Minimal cutaways, no ragging on Meg, and only one pervy joke about a tire iron. Oh, wait, this was The Simpsons? 15th best episode of season 21, barely. Oof. Cuts deep, Dara. That's, a, that's pretty severe. <laughs> uh, finally, from Jacob. It's about time we have an episode exploring a relationship between Clancy and Homer. On the surface, seems like they should be the best friends. They have so much in common. Both are gluttonous, overweight, middle-aged men who are incompetent at their highly important jobs, which have immense stakes for society at large. Different show, one can easily see them become, easily see them being friends, which explain how Homer gets away with so much. But usually, they are antagonists. So it would be nice to see what has kept them from being friends in the past. I was originally going to review every joke in the episode, but I thought that would be exhausting for you. Many of them are lame, although some evoke mild amusement. One or two, I dare say, I dare say, are funny. I think that's a Jacob. That's a punishment. Reviewing every like I maybe we'll do that one week. We'll like write down every single quote unquote joke and sh- like to actually. We're gonna have a lot of arguments on what is supposed to be a joke. I think. I think we'll get there, Matt. It wouldn't be. I don't think our. I don't think we differ that much. I don't think maybe a couple, but. It mostly, mm-hmm. would, I think it would come down to like, I think this was supposed to be a joke. It's just not very funny. Um, but thanks everyone for watching and thank you for supporting us. You can join our cavalcade of calamity, our parade of pain over there on patreon.com slash the Simmons show. Once again, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog. We have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite Smithers quote? Matt, take it away. All right. First up from Tim. Oh, in the meantime, sir, may I suggest a random firing just to throw the fear of God into them? (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, From DJ. Hello, Smithers. You're quite good at turning me on. Um, You probably should ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that he's like, you probably should ignore that. Mm -hmm. Uh, From uh, Dara. Mr. Burns. Simpson, eh? New man? He thwarted your campaign for governor. You ran over his son. He saved the plant from meltdown. His wife painted you in the nude. Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, from old painty can Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo Snrub. I think Harry Shearer's delivery really shines when he plays Smithers. There's nothing inherently funny about lines like, but she's got a new hat, or you should probably ignore that. But Shearer's rabid exuberance and sheepish deflection makes them favorites for me. Uh, from Everett. Oh my God, Mr. Burns is dead. Why do the good always die so young? Yeah. Uh, from Mac. Uh, I love boobies. Okay. Uh, 
uh, from Derek. Shearer's monotone delivery of lines is so good that they're probably my favorite, but they're too numerous to choose from, so I think I'll go with one of his more exasperated moments. Always loved how he fed up he is with being paired up with Barton and Lisa in Mountain of Madness, and when Lisa brings him another injured true, his frustration in the line, aren't there any healthy animals in this forest, is just great. You're not wrong, Derek. That entire episode has some fantastic <laughs> quotes uh, from Alex Smithers. People like dogs, Mr. Burns. Burns. Nonsense. Dogs are idiots. Think about it, Smithers. If I came into your room and started sniffing at your crotch and slobbering all over your face, what would you say? Um, if you did it, sir? Uh, next up from Andy. You are noble and poetic in defeat, sir. From Aaron. I like the way Snrub thinks. God, Snrub. Um, from Ad Silioto. More a combo Burns and Smithers quote for this exchange always gets me. Mr. Burns. Careful, Smithers. That sponge has corners, you know. I'll go find a spherical one, sir. All right. From at Hippie 200. Well, that's the end of the girls, floor exercise. Now let's bring on the men. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from As Wayscasts. I think women and semen don't mix. We know what you think. <laughs> from at MF Cannon. Smithers, for the love of God, sir, there are two seats. I like to put my feet up. Damn it, Andrew. From at the Andrew blog, what's wrong with this country? Can a man walk down the street without being offered a job? Well, in the sheer indignance of being promised an impressive salary puts plus benefits for him and his life partner tickles me every time. <laughs> Robbie, what is yours? Um, there's obviously lots of great choices. I'm the one I I'm going to go with today is um, Mr. Burns. That's right. Keep eating. Little do you know, you're drawing ever closer to the poison donut. There is a poison one, isn't there, Smithers? Or, uh, no, sir. I discuss this with lawyers, and they consider it murder. <laughs> Damn, they're oily hides. I, it's just Smithers just, like, politely... Cur- it's that it's that kind of politeness where he's like, I have to be deferential to Burns, but also I can't let him commit murder. <laughs> I'm not going to do... I'm not going to go that far. Uh, they consider it murder. Uh, Matt, what, what is your answer? Well, I almost got through everyone without mine being picked, but Andrew had to pick it. What's wrong with this country? Can't a man walk down the street without being offered a job? Heaven forfend, Smithers. That's just so great. I love it. Uh, Next week's question. What is your favorite quote from any of the police officers? Oh, it's going to be a tough one. From Wiggum, Lou, Eddie, any of them, or all of them together, maybe. Uh, I'll post this question on all our social media, Twitter at Simpsons Show Pod. You can email us at Simpsons Show Pod at gmail.com. And I still post this question on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. It is time once again, Matt. Time once again for the no Google trivia challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, SMART. The No Google Trivia Challenges and Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions. One easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has a one-point lead on me so far this season. We're getting close here to the end of Season 21, only like a handful of episodes ago, about a half dozen. Uh, I need to make up that ground, so Matt, please give me an easy question. All right. Your easy question. What city do Chief Wiggum, Ralph, and Skinner move to in the Simpsons spinoff showcase? Nolens. You are correct. Your easy question, Matthew. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. In the Springfield Connection, who becomes a police officer? I believe the new officer will be Marge Simpson. That is correct. All right. Your medium question. 
Where did Skinner read about Big Daddy when he introduces him to uh, Wiggum? Newsweek? Oh, I'm sorry. It's Parade Magazine. Parade. I was like, they always <laughs> refer. There's always a handful of magazines I think they always refer, refer to yeah. in the 90s. All right, Matt. Your medium question. While on patrol, Marge sees what crimes? Okay. Uh, man littering, dog with no leash, uh, car parked across three handicapped spaces, which is, of course, Homer. Um, uh, dog no leash. Um, hmm. Missing one. Missing one. Um, okay. Okay. It's. Um... Oh, we got to be. Okay. 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 Um, it's when she's. Oh, the horse! Horse not wearing a diaper. You're right. <laughs> Pulled it out. I was. I, I, was I know. I was, I was like, wait a minute. There's a weird one in there. <laughs> horse not wearing. All right. Dog no leash. Man. Man littering. littering. Horse not wearing diaper. And then her like car parked across three handicap spaces, and then, and then Homer's, "Hey Marge, mm-hmm. what's my hard question?" Homer, about? you have to move your car. Your hard question: How long has Skinner been away from New Orleans in this episode? <laughs> I mean, obviously this this, this contradicts with uh, Sweet Summer or with uh, with all of uh, established canon of, of with Skinner. Well, yes, yes of course. Um, like it, like it matters at all. I'll say he's been away for ten years. Uh, according to the episode, he says 42 years, which doesn't seem possible. That Unless can't he's be like right, 60 Matt. something. That can't be right, Matt. You're crazy. You're crazy. I 42 mean, years. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. 42 years? That's according to the script. I'm looking it up. That could be wrong. No. You're right, Matt. That's the... I haven't looked it. That makes no sense it feels, whatsoever. It feels like that is referencing something that we just don't know what it is like it's referencing some very specific thing where it's the number was 42 years or they're trying to make it as ridiculous as possible i don't even know (sighs) 42 years he he left briefly to take the 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 principal job in uh springfield so even if he was gone for only a year he would have to at least been 18 at that point probably longer since he had to go to college but you know we'll give that i mean it's got to be at least 60 i I don't know okay your hard question matt what magazines does Marge see under Death Sports at the newsstand? Okay. Um, there are one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Jeez. I want to say there's Face Puncher, <laughs> uh, Glass Eater. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not going to waste your time because I can't remember any of the others. I know they're all incredibly stupid. <laughs> I like face punch. Face puncher is not one of them, but I really do oh, dang, like it. Okay. Face puncher is very funny. Uh, there is bear baiter, rock jumper, mosh pitter, danger liker. That's the stupidest one. Yeah, I remember that one. Cliff biker and and gla- glass eater is one of them. Um, but <laughs> face puncher, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I they should have put face puncher on there, Matt. That should have it should have been and just has like on the front cover just a face being like a fist in, embedded in it's like mm-hmm. that'd be great uh, Matt extended his lead on me today not a big fan of that Matt you're supposed to do the opposite of that you're supposed to lose ground <gasps> uh-huh all right so Matt has a three-point lead on me not a big fan we still got some time left though um 
That's it for trivia. We can move on to our final segment, the segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as so you watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Um, hmm. This is like one of those flawed ones. It's not good. It's not abysmal. Um, I'm looking at like... I'm looking like 350s. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's not bad. I mean, that puts it well below Saddlesore Galactica. But, <laughs> I mean, 350 is pray anything. Um, I mean, 51 is the zip who came to dinner. And I think we're right there. The zip who came to dinner, I think, is a good compliment to this. Uh, future drama is 353. Uh, I think I would rather watch future drama than this. Honestly, I, I don't remember what Stealing First Base is, but I know I would rather watch this than Millhouse of Sand and Fog. Stealing First Base is the one with, is the one with Bart kissing uh, Sarah Silverman. Oh, yeah, I would rather watch this than that. This is better, sure. Yeah, this is better than Stealing First Base. Um, yeah. I could go either way on the crossword one. You think future, future drama is better than this? I would rather watch future drama than this. I don't know if it's any better because it is really dumb in a lot of areas, but it's at least more interesting. I think, I mean, future, I think again, future drama, I think is, is a good comparison point as well because it does have some like interesting potential and in scenes like right. Individual scenes where you go, Oh, that's, I like that. Right. But then when you look at it as a whole, it, it doesn't work. Right. And I think, that's where a lot of these episodes are where you're like, Oh, there's potential in certain things. There's certain moments or there's a couple jokes that are, that work and you're like, Oh, that's pretty good. And then you're like, eh. and I think Homer and Lisa exchange crosswords are very similar. Um, again, uh, what's home away from Homer. Well, I can't remember that one. Matt. Home away from Homer. Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's when Ned goes to Humbleton. Oh yeah. That one. No, thanks. I would rather watch this. I mean, that's, but that's higher on the list, Matt. That's what I'm saying. I know, I know, but just, I don't know. I this this episode surprised me with the Homer Wickham stuff. It's not good, but I, would, I think that's. I think I would put this right. I would put this actually above the Zip Who Came to Dinner. I think I would put this below Pray Anything and right above. Mm-hmm. I would put this at number three fifty one. That's where I would put this. A new number three fifty one. I think that's good. That's good. I mean, well, that still leaves the fat and the furriest above it, but eh, I'd be okay with that. Matt, the fat and the furriest, it does. It has Homer in a bear suit with his butt hanging out, and <laughs> it makes me laugh, despite the fact mm-hmm. it's the dumbest thing ever. That's the that's the thing I remember most about that episode. Okay, more than anything, I remember. Oh, that's episode where Homer's butt is hanging out while he's wearing the bear suit, the anti bear suit, and it just it. Uh, it it that memory okay the episodes if I watch it again I'd probably still think it's not very good but that memory of that episode makes me smile mm-hmm. so I try and cherish that right try and cherish the good thing yeah yeah no you're not gonna you're not there with me nope sorry can't do it <laughs> okay that's fair uh, we're almost done but we're not done because we have one more thing to do one more question to answer and that question is do we shoot this episode out of the cannon. Okay. I think this stays. I think so too, honestly. I think this is yes. It's not great, but I like it's not there's nothing objectionable in it. Like there's nothing, and, there's nothing objectionable 
Yeah. And the relationship between Homer and Wiggum is probably worth keeping, honestly. Exactly. I think the good overrides the bad. I think those good those good scenes that have the right sentiment of Homer and Wiggum are enough to keep it in. Overall, is it great? No. Overall, is it even good? No. But the canon, our discussion about it, is not about if it's good, really. It's about if it has worthwhile, interesting things to discuss. And I think this does. Uh, I think there's enough in it to keep it in. Like, not in a bunch, but it. there's uh, other episodes in this area that have that are also yeses, right? And I think it's kind of case-by-case basis in this area. Um, and I th- I like that, honestly. I think that's interesting to me. Maybe one day in the far distant future, Matt and I will, will revisit some of these and say, what were we thinking? What was wrong with us? Why did we say yes? But this week, we don't fire the cannon, right? Cannon nope. stays, stays uh, unfired. We keep our powder. It wouldn't be keep your powder dry because you keep your powder dry when you're getting ready to fire it. Um, mm. But I guess you would. You're not. But you're not. I don't know. I don't know what the phrase, the right phrase is. My my words are failing me. It's a problem. Keep your powder stowed. Stowed. In a powder bag. Where do you keep powder? Your gunpowder. Uh, somewhere where it's not too dry and not too wet, uh, away from any type of spark. So in a big barrel. Basically, yeah. Gunpowder barrel. That seems right. Mm-hmm. So it's Chief of Hearts. This is new number three fifty one on our list, right below. Pray anything right above this. If who came to dinner, it is a part of the canon. Uh, we're going to answer, ask and answer that same question about every episode on the list as we work our way down from the top. And we are at number currently. Interesting. Uh, we have a quote there from that episode. Uh, be, we're at least referencing that episode because we are at number one thirty-one, which is "Brush with Greatness," season two. "Brush with Greatness," March, March episode. I mean, absolutely. Don't you dare! Yeah. You will tear that episode from my cold dead hands. I yeah yeah. Uh, I'm not. No argument here, Matt. "Brush with Greatness" is obviously yes. It's very fundamental. It's like I I always call "Brush with Greatness" like the template for a good March episode. Like if you need to write a Marge episode, right? And you have no idea what to do. You go back and watch brush with greatness and it will give you the template to follow. You just follow that same arc, just change the circumstances because ultimately it has a fundamental truth about Marge and that she sees the best in people, you know, even despicable people. She can find the best in them because she wants to believe about inherent goodness in people. And I think it's the thing that I always carry with, like, who is Marge? Brush of Greatness. It's one of those episodes that, of course, stays in the canon. Uh, our next episode, Matt. The Squirt and the Whale. The, the what now? The Squirt and the Whale. Okay. In this episode, the Simpsons, the Simpsons attempt to save a beach whale that washed up on shore only for it to die. I mean, that's usually what happens in these cases. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. It. Well, maybe it'll be. I mean, maybe you know, love bar. I love bar gets an elephant, so maybe this will be a. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I don't think I'm. I'm doubtful, but we'll see. That's next time. You can find uh, this list, our best episode ever list, on our website, which is assemblythesimpsonshow.com. It has links to everything, all our links to Twitter, to RSS feed, to our Patreon. If you want to help out the show that way, we'd, I would obviously appreciate that and love it. Um, you can find me online. Before we go, you can find me online on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman, and on all social media, Robbie Dorman. Anywhere you want to look and find me, 
Um, I'm most active probably on Instagram and Twitter. Well, Twitter's, it seems Twitter does, the user experience is getting so bad that every day more and more people leave it, but also how else I'm going to see uh, people react to wrestling and to hockey. Well, where am I, what else am I going to do? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, my website is robdorman.com has links to all the things I do. I'm probably going to rebuild my website at some point in the future, but right now you can still find everything I do there, including all my novels. Um, I'm going to be announcing a new novel relatively soon, but until then, my newest novel is The Other. It's an exorcist slash uh, love story about hell, an evil from hell itself against a lifetime of love and marriage. Uh, I think it's a good book. You should go check it out and check out all my books. They're all on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. You can find them. I'm also going to probably have put up my own storefront soon where you get signed books if you want. But again, that's more work than I need to do. But I appreciate everyone who has checked them out, who has read them, who has left a nice review. Appreciate you all. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is correct. I spend all of my time normally taking care of kittens, all of whom you can see at Kitten Turns on Instagram, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S. Uh, I'm sure at some point soon we will have new interns, but for the moment, it's just us managers. Uh, but soon you can see all of our past interns on uh, the Instagram account, and soon we'll have a new fluffy little babies for you to enjoy. It's the problem with capitalism, Matt. All middle managers, I see how it is. <laughs> exactly. I'll do it for us today. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And you can watch this a bit. Shh.